brain is like that. Its electromagnetic field remains charged just briefly, even after death. Circuits remain open. Now, there's another peculiarity about the brain. It contains a short-term memory track that's approximately eight minutes long. Jeffrey Wright plays the same character in this movie as he does in every movie he's ever been in. This is Spoilers! Yeah! In Westworld. This is Spoilers! Hello, good people, listeners across the country and the world. This is your host, Stevie. And tonight, or today, or this morning, or whenever you're listening to it, we are breaking down the very underrated 2011, almost classic that makes no sense, The Source Code. What's up, fellas? Heyo. Is it source code or is it the source code? I've been playing with both. I kind of like source code (laughs) just by itself better. What are you, the director? (laughs) It's whatever Stevie likes. I don't know. I'm just kind of running the ship here. It's called source code. Okay, so it's called source code, but the the source code itself is called the source code. (laughs) Is that right? I think it's so. like the Inception. That's how it's named in the army. The Inception. The source code. Gotcha. Well, tonight let's go Isis to Isis, and Ooh. my topic, my topic tonight is uh, something I texted Pappy earlier, which what I said. Hear me out. Source code would make an amazing Broadway musical. Like I think that would kill. <laughs> my question for you tonight is. I want you to take any movie that you think would make an awesome musical. Brett, I think you're first. Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> everything's been made into a musical, pretty much. I mean, Rocky's a musical. Um, it is? I think so. Maybe it's just a play. Is Total Recall a musical? I don't <laughs> recall. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, Predator. <laughs> That's what I... Uh, That'd yeah. be fun. That's a good one. Predator singing would be pretty amazing. Stick around, stick around. <laughs> Anybody? No? Stick around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I dig it. <laughs> Mikey, Do what's it up? Now. Been pushing too many pencils. Yeah, Mikey recording from Goshen, Indiana. I'd like to take another crack at the often overlooked and pretty much hated overall uh, Spider-Man uh, <laughs> musical that never got off the ground. I think I'll take a crack at it. Did they even it, do a dress rehearsal top. for that or was it just doomed from the start? No, like people saw that. I don't even think it started. No, it did start. And Is that with Donald Glover? No. Should've it was called no. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Didn't someone die? And it was playing for... Yeah, That's what I, thought. I think so actually. Like during one of the musicals? In my production, I'll guarantee nobody dies. That's my one guarantee. <laughs> it won't be good, but <laughs> nobody will die in my production of Spider-Man. I like that. What's up, Josh? This is Josh from Goshen. I'm going to think a little outside the box here, and I know this isn't typically my style, but Grease was a popular musical, so... I think if you could fit Fast Furious 1 through 8 <laughs> in one musical, it would be brilliant. Wow. Josh, I never thought I'd say you this, but right. you're a goddamn genius. I kind of love it. <laughs> I love that. I would pay big money to see a three-hour musical of all the Fast and Furious blended into one. Family. Family. <laughs> All the cars are cardboard, <laughs> and they carry them on. 
on their backs. Oh, would that be amazing though to see like giant dancing Corona bottles on stage, like with like a like with a number called the Buster? That's pretty funny. So <laughs> you really, I think we're hitting something here. Oh, Pappy, what's up? Hey, this is Pappy, the next most weasest in Louisville, Colorado. Um, you know, we're living in a very interesting time. There's a lot of conversations about gender and i think that it's time for it's pat the musical would probably <laughs> oh boy oh, i couldn't agree There's more where to Educate go but up from the movie so. <laughs> oh right, is ween gonna do the score or not i would love to see some Boom. dean ween in the pit orchestrating i've listened to a little bit of ween actually since that pod i'm into it josh I- i'm with your co-workers from yogis they might be the best band ever give them some time you can try to play with the ween I do that while I podcast, Corey. Oh, Corey. My name is Corey, also known as Kylo Ren memes. Um, you know, to answer your question, I'm trying to think of like the least suited movie for a musical, and and what's coming to mind is Uncut Gems. Like, oh my god, just just because of the clash. That's really my joke answer. But all right, my real answer. I'm gonna go with the Brett and get two answers. Um, the Last Jedi. <laughs> Right? A lot of people don't like The Last Jedi. Love it or hate it. You know, it's time to give it another chance. We can up the ante, make it a musical, cast Adam Driver, Last Jedi the musical. I think Josh texted me today. Still, I mean, it's been like three years running about how much he hates The Last Jedi. Comes up every once in a while. Oh, I had to slow down because Pappy told me to. <laughs> At a heart to heart. Oh, well, let's get into the source code, uh, directed by Duncan Jones, who also did an amazing movie called Moon, uh, really small indie flick, did this movie, and then Pap, has his career really gone anywhere after this movie besides Downward? Not that I know of, has, has anybody seen Mute? World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft? Was yeah. World of Warcraft good, Mikey? No. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I know that it's bad. Yeah, you don't even need to. You can just guarantee it. <laughs> it's just such a bummer because if I was back in 2011 and I had seen Moon, which has a really low budget, and I saw this, which has a slightly higher budget, I would be so on board the Duncan Jones train. Only if he could just make better movies from now on. But let's start out at the beginning of this movie. Brett, we have a lot of scenery in this movie and a lot of trains and a lot of golf courses and a lot of ominous music playing. How does this movie really start out? Uh, let's see. It's like 10 minutes of establishing shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the cast going on, it's going over like Chicago and yeah, going over neighborhoods and stuff like that, right? It's very, very pretty. The City of Angels. It's supposed to look like grid-like, like the inside of a computer, right? I was picking yeah. up some Matrix-y vibes here right at the beginning. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't catch that, Josh. It looked pretty, though. I'll have to go. Yeah, it looked cool. We talk about this all the time, though. They like this is what Locke and other movies should have been doing. Like it really uses Chicago Jeez. well, Stevie. Don't you oh, think? He's got to come back and rip on Locke. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you also said the same thing about Baby's Day Out and Los Enchiladas, for the record, too. None of those movies yep. use their sur- surroundings very well. And, and Baby's Unlike Day this. Out was a real missed opportunity to show. In the room. how amazing Chicago is. We should bring up the good movies we cover, not just continually shit on the bad <laughs> ones we cover. 
That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, but Brett, like, who are the characters we meet? Because there's a lot of moving parts in the beginning. All right, so you meet Jake Gyllenhaal, but he doesn't even know who he is or where he's at. Uh, he's sitting across from Michelle Monaghan or Monaghan, whatever her name is. They apparently know each other, but he, I mean, he's just lost. He gets dumped into a situation. He gets no, like he keeps saying later on, I need to be briefed. They need to be briefed. And he, uh, at, but at the beginning, he doesn't know anything. He, he's in someone's strange body, which I don't think he figures out yet. Uh, maybe later in this first, first simulation, is that when he finds out that he's not him? Or is that a later one? Yeah, that's loop one is when he sees the mirror. He's just really freaking out. Yeah, he looks in the mirror and sees that he's very average. And he's like, I'm not Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I, know, that, that I am so much so better bad. looking than this. <laughs> Imagine how upset you'd be. Apparently, uh, I, if this is to believe, the director had uh, Jake Gyllenhaal had like an earpiece in his ear that would he would like put stuff in to make him like super disoriented. That's kind of why he so looked like he's doing like some crack. Sometimes throughout the movie, and I thought that comes off really cool. He plays a really good creep. Rather sweaty throughout the like the first fifteen loops. Rather sweaty. Stevie, <laughs> can I ask you a question? I know it's early. Let's have at it. Like when you on its pat, you said that you were like on a mission to make Jake Gyllenhaal the king of spoilers. Um, I, I guess this would kind of be stating the obvious, but I've never heard anyone say they don't like Jake Gyllenhaal. What is it about Jake Gyllenhaal that's so appealing? Like, why do we all love him so much? <sighs> My theory is I think he's just a cool dude. And also he looks like he could exist in your reality, not just like a movie star. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think like you could like pass that dude at some point in your life, just like in your like actual city. that's not Los Angeles been like, Oh, it's a pretty nice dude. I don't know. He's like the every guy's man, but cool at the same time. I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's trying too hard. But he's an awesome That's actor, a big, though. Like a lot of big actors do. He also seems yeah. to carry this, like, um, this very interesting, unique to Jake Gyllenhaal energy where, like, he can snap in an instant and just, like, you know, grab you by your collar and pick you up and start yelling in your face. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, whatever, man. Gyllenhaal. I, I just, I think he's, like, a super... He's also pretty funny. Super, yeah, he's, done he's some funny. funny. He's stuff. got, uh... Like funny videos and stuff. He's, I mean, Taylor Swift wrote at least two songs about him. That's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Were they the mean songs or the happy songs? Mean. mean. Uh, Wait, what? They, I gotta disagree with Mikey. The best though. ones. I don't think he looks lazy on screen. I feel like he almost looks like he never takes his foot off. I didn't the say gas. that. To, to I me, he doesn't try hard. Too- it There's looks natural, though, Josh. It doesn't look like he's trying too hard. I agree, but I think that comes about from him actually like working really hard at the role. I don't think that's easy to pull off. No, I feel like a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal movies aren't easy to pull off. But as Brett said, he looks in the mirror. Who's, he's like, who is this ugly dumbass I'm looking at in the mirror? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> what? <laughs> like, imagine looking like Jake Gyllenhaal every day and being like... Oh, I'm Sean Frentis now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, and for some reason, Michelle Moynihan is all about him. Yeah. All about Sean. <laughs> also, imagine, yeah. Imagine I'm not if it was Jake, people, though. I'm not calling these people ugly, but I feel like Michelle Moynihan could exist, exist in our realities, too. Like, very, I wouldn't say plain, but 
Not overly too good looking just to be riding the train. I wouldn't mind if she existed in my reality. Put it that yeah, way. Yeah, she's. I think she's pretty good looking. Yeah. Let's say she's just has a relatable factor, factor to her. That's all. But true. Uh, the train blows up. Pap, where do we end up with Jake after this? So we well first. Sorry, take us a, a quick step back. Did you guys get the sense too in that first pass through? That there's something happening, like the Groundhog Day language of film. Like you, you know, you're you're gonna see these things over and over again. It's my biggest gripe with the movie. Did anybody else pick up on that the first pass through, or is it just just me? Yeah, the way they have like those little scenes playing out that are seemingly meaningless. Like, oh, a kid dropped his wallet, and then oh, like the coffee spills, and like I feel like it made it seem like those things were important and there's such small details that you did yeah. get that feeling they focus in on those innocuous yeah. beats like when the coffee spills on a shoe there's like an insert shot of his shoe with coffee on it like they're they're pointing these things out visually mm-hmm. but like of the 10 things they point out only one of them is important so i think that's kind of cool like you have to figure no, out which one's de- important yeah it's definitely awesome a lot of them are just people Sorry, a lot of them are just people sitting there. Like, not even necessarily moving or losing a wallet, just literally sitting there in a seat. I feel sick. Damn it! Sorry. Uh, Let me help you with that. No, it's okay. Glenbrook Station. Hey, mister. Hey. Glenbrook Station. Hey! You dropped this. Complaining about the time, Russell Peters is there. But anyway, Steve, like you said, the train blows up, (laughs) and we are in what looks to be kind of like a space capsule. At the time, I was thinking it was either in Antarctica or it was maybe submerged, looks like a submerged in water and outer space. But he seems to be very isolated in this capsule, and he's being. I think he's being talked to by the commander, right? She's trying to bring him back, and he's kind of freaking out at this point. This is the first sort of memory sequence that they do with the cards. Yeah, this is uh, Vera Farmiga's character. Is that how, is that how her name's pronounced? I, I always said Vera, but I have no idea. I have no idea, so. Stacked cast. She's in The Departed. Buscemi. <laughs> Buscemi. <laughs> Buskimi, Buskimi. She's, a, she's at least in the Moynihan. two movie club. She was in Departed. Mm-hmm. She was in the Departed. Um, yeah. But Josh, what is kind of her role in this movie? Because it's really wishy-washy to start out with. Well, first, first of all, I'd say that she's a co-soldier. So like, her and Jake Gyllenhaal are equals, and her job is to guide Jake Gyllenhaal, who's actually just a text bot. Um, <laughs> through his mission, <laughs> and it's kind of weird. She kind of starts to get a crush on him, even though he's like I said. What what is that like? Smarter child? Yes, those- I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> the aimbot, smarter yeah. child. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. Yeah, her role though, I think, is kind of to be grounded in the real world though, and she is kind of at the helm. She's almost like the pilot of the ship and she's driving Jake Gyllenhaal around in the simulator. Yeah, just we don't really know it's a simulator yet, right? If I remember correctly. No, but I mean, we're allowed to talk about that, right? Well, this is spoilers. I don't know. 
When it comes to him, Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, fuck it, um, Captain Coulter Stevens, <laughs> he's, he claims that it's a simulator so that we get the idea that it is for a little while at least. Yeah, Mike, you brought up Jake's acting. This is when he really starts to show that classic uh, Gyllenhaal range is during loop two. Uh, this is when he actually like finds the bomb. And what is kind of like his reaction now is he still thinks it's this giant test simulation. Yeah, he honestly finds the bomb pretty quickly on that second loop. A little too uh, He's quickly. like world's greatest detective. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But he finds it and then... Uh, he proceeds to like pretend to be like a uh, train air marshal or something <laughs> and tries to get the attention of everybody and say that there's like a security situation on board the train and that he needs to like have everybody shut off their electronics and stuff like that, right? Or what? I mean, he doesn't even get very far before the bomb goes off in that second loop, but uh, he breaks a man's jaw. Hey, I'm in yeah. the middle of a big deal here. <laughs> that was a hard break too why is Russell Peters in this movie <laughs> like I don't mind that he is but the only thing I can think of is he was like by the set and this is probably around the time a stand up started to get big and they're like hey you want to be in this movie Russell and he's like sure it's the only thing I can think of because his lines truly are really just hey grandpa what's taking so long and doing stand up for like two minutes I'll punch your face so th- that's a real comedian. I I don't know anything about that. I don't guy. know. I don't know who that is either. Yeah, he's a really famous comedian. Like, he's like he's a real famous stand-up oh, is comedian. He? Apparently, he doesn't belong hmm. in this movie. Does he actually have two DUIs? Because that was a thing Michelle Monaghan <laughs> brought brought up <laughs> multiple times. Life imitates art. He got two DUIs after the movie. He was on America's Got Talent. Was he? Was that true? Is that where he came from? I mean, it'd be kind of yeah corny if it really was true like it is that guy for america's got talent yeah the train blows up again uh coulter is still really confused by everything kylo kylo uh cory who does coulter like remember before all this really starts like what's his last memories of everything it's kind of the linchpin for the whole movie so he remembers being on a mission he was overseas he's in the military and he's he's a pilot of sorts i believe a helicopter pilot and he was deployed and the last thing he remembers is being on a mission and next thing he knows he wakes up on the train the train blows up and then he wakes up in the pod so he he is extremely disoriented Um, but we know that he's overseas and that the only real family he has is his dad who i think i didn't i wasn't super clear on this but i think they had an argument about him being redeployed and his dad didn't want him to go back out into action. But he insisted, and they kind of had a falling out. Yeah, that's pretty much what he says. Yeah, I mean, the whole time, really, I mean, as we get through these kind of going back in, going back out in the capsule, he's just saying, let me talk to my dad, let me talk to my dad. And it's just really strange. You still have no idea what's going on until Colleen tells him, hey, uh, this is actually about, like, a real-life event, and you are being sent back in through the weirdest science ever. Josh, you're kind of a sci-fi guy. What really is the source code? Okay, I kind of really like this explanation from the movie. So, apparently, in in this movie's reality, our brains record the last eight minutes before our death, and there's some sort of, like, wave. And 
Maybe you can remind me. What do they like attach to that? There's like two theories they string together. A here. light bulb, right? Like light bulb. Yeah, so you turn a light bulb off off and you can like see its vibe for like a split second. So it's like <laughs> just vibing. Just vibing, bro. Just being a light up here. They access that and stick a person who's like a <laughs> cyborg. I got to tell you, one of my theories in the middle of this movie was that they like shrunk J- Jake Gyllenhaal. He's just like tiny Jake Gyllenhaal inside <laughs> like a microchip. <laughs> when things started getting cold. This is where I'm confused because Jake Gyllenhaal is dead. Spoiler. Uh, so does that mean that the army picked up his body within eight minutes and plugged him into this thing? Cause like, if he died in a helicopter crash, he's going to be out there for a while. They they said in the press release he died in a plane crash, but to the government, yeah. his brain was still alive. He's RoboCop in a way. Yeah. In that way, mm-hmm. where he was like declared dead, but he wasn't really dead. And then they just used him for And then this. they killed him? He's only almost dead, Mikey, not full dead. Mostly dead. Mostly, Mostly dead. Mostly dead. So they're using like a portion of his brain. And one of my, like one of my only notes is that Vera Farmiga's like that captain her job is like she's dealing with this awakening consciousness through text and I feel like the her boss didn't take that into account when setting up this <laughs> up because that has got to be a freaky situation to be in he's talking about flying sorties last Tuesday and let me talk to my dad that's pretty chilling quantum mechanics parabolic calculus Jeffrey Wright didn't take into account the human in Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> wanting to not be stuck inside a computer program. Yeah, he deals with uh, robots only. But yeah, this is kind of the source code. Coulter's almost dead. His brainwaves are still kind of active. And because his brain... brain, How'd they describe it? It's the weirdest thing. He has like some kind of match with the person that actually yeah, died. Yeah, he has like brain his maps. synapses and body size and all that. Body size match with that ugly ass dude, uh, Frentis. And then... Um... <laughs> I mean, you say that, but I feel like even he's more attractive than me, so... <laughs> I'm just saying compared to Jake, it has to be alarming to wake up as Coulter Stevens one day and then realize you're this Frentis dude. It's very alarming. For, first um, of all... The first thing I do is check my wiener. What's, what's Frentis working with? Man, I was thinking the same thing. Like, he had to have done it at some point, especially when he's going off with uh, whatever her name is. First of all, Josh, I thought the exact same thing you did, that Jake Gyllenhaal had been shrunken down when things got to get all cold. I don't know why. But I th- Stevie, I think a big part of the movie is that it's more or less that humankind specifically the U.S. military has discovered the source code, but they don't yet understand the source code, right? Like, that's a big part of it. They've kind of tapped into something that they don't realize what it is yet. This is definitely the first time they're using it. Mm-hmm. But they don't even understand how it works because, I mean, it's potentially creating parallel dimensions, right? That's kind of what we're left with. Yeah, so this is kind of loop three where there's more ro- more rules thrown out that sometimes do work and sometimes don't within the movie. Uh, do you remember this, Pap, where he gets off the train? This is where he actually realizes this was an actual event. Um, so this is where he convinces uh, Michelle Moynihan to get off the train, right? And he's pursuing uh, the suspected terrorist with motion sickness. Is that what you're talking about? He's brown. About? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Racial profiling, like they say in the movie. <laughs> um, 
but you know the they movie mentioned, does, they pointed it out so it's not okay. cool jake the movie does this like kind of clever thing where like jake gets kicked onto the tracks and gets run over by a train and at the time i was like that's pretty lame like does it mean that he has he has to find a way to die every time because he gets hit by the train and gets kicked out of the source code but i think like based on what we see later on like especially when he's calling his dad they can kind of recall him right like he just has this eight minute minute timer and, and this is like when he realizes that he fucked up and he, he's really starting to get into into what's happening right yeah this is uh exactly the whole point is is for the train not to explode find the guy who bombs bombs the train you have eight minutes that's the whole thing repeat repeat well, repeat go ahead not even not even necessarily to stop the train from exploding because they don't believe that he can stop that. You're right. Good call. I want to find out who bombed him. Because they think the guy's going to do a bigger bomb in Chicago. <laughs> Dirty bomb. So uh, we talked We talked about some like logic flaws. That's one of my biggest ones is the use case for accessing the source code is so specific. You have to have a terrorist attack, then you have to know you're going to yeah. have another terrorist attack. That's the only way it can actually help your current timeline, right? Like, mm. how many times is this actually going to be? <laughs> That's what I didn't understand. Well, yeah. All right. Let, remember Fast and the Furious Four when Dom like recreates the whole scene where Letty died. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you can use mm. it for stuff like that, right? Yeah, I think you could use it for more things, like to do like detective work. You could f- help find serial killer. Uh, oh, that is true. That's true. But I think part of Jeffrey Wright's downfall is he wants source code to make such a big splash yeah for sure and so it's, he's almost like a mr glass character where he wants something bad to happen and he is specifically looking at terrorism he mentioned that so he's like i can't wait till the next big explosion <laughs> maybe we can stop the second one <laughs> As he... maybe jeffrey wright hired the white guy <laughs> to do this terrorist attack just to get funding from that the government yeah oh what a twist Brett, you mentioned a dirty bomb. What exactly is a dirty no bomb? No idea. I was hoping that you didn't ask me that. <laughs> I said it like I knew what it was talking about. I don't about, know what it is. I was like, Ugh. It's a bomb that does anal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Corey. I got one. I got it. I got it. You can't say that. A dirty bomb or a radi- radiological dispersal device. Uh, it combines radioactive material with conventional explosives. So it just gives everyone around cancer. It is, however, not to be confused with a nuclear explosion such as a fission bomb. So there we go. Naturally. I didn't realize that a dirty bomb would like jump around like that when, when Gyllenhaal has him surrounded at his van and the box is like bouncing around. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to have like a little critter in there or something. Like, <laughs> release an animal into Chicago. I had it's no idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is. I don't know. This movie keeps getting stranger and stranger. When he gets kicked onto the the tracks and he gets killed by a train, it really throws kind of everything off course. Because I thought it was a really cool element of the movie, kind of like why he's dying after he doesn't die the correct way in the source code. This is like when his capsule is like malfunctioning and like he's lost all power and he's like freezing to death. Yeah. I think this is like when he figures out that the whole capsule is a manifestation. He like yeah. fixes he fixes the screen and he gets back in touch with Vera and he's like, Captain Vera, help me, get me out of here. <laughs> and this is kind of where he starts being explained. Like the movie is kind of a slow drip of info, especially for him, about what he's actually experiencing. And 
there's like almost like some Michelle Gondry sort of direction here where like the capsule is like in his mind moving around in pieces it's actually pretty well done I thought yeah it's when he's kind of starting to realize that um he also gets told too that like hey dude you've been here for like two months dead and this is just kind of like how your brain is perceiving the world yeah. So what's actually happening there when he's freezing? Because there there are some shots of like the command center, and they say it's hard to save him. What did he just have a like his bios dropped? What's really? Isn't that kind of just a cliche thing that when you're about to die, you get really cold? <laughs> yeah, I guess that might be. That's it. How, I was hoping one of you guys it. could explain what was going on here, because it's kind of one of those like <laughs> yeah. eternal sunshine. Like he's off the map. It's mm-hmm. like why? Why does dying by train take you off the map? I'm going to be totally honest. The science in this movie doesn't make any sense to me. I just like it because Jake is in this movie. <laughs> uh, I, none of it honestly doesn't make any sense at all to me. Any of the source code, the quantum physics, none of it, it really lines up in any sort of way that I can think of. Stevie, I didn't catch that line with as much importance as you did. I thought he... Like his mind was almost rejecting the simulation because he was like figuring it out and like freaking that's, out. That's kind of what it sounds like, seemed like to me. Like it throws everything out of whack. Like his brain's acting all weird, and things have changed. And then the first simulation they made for him was a paradise, but his brain rejected <laughs> oh, it. Oh god! <laughs> the only thing. Sorry, I, could, I mean, wouldn't you be freaking out after the first loop? Like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? Yeah. Like the only thing I could think of really is that like the source code is designed in a way for him like to only die that way every time kind of like okay once the explosion goes off he's returned here and because i mean the explosion went off without him it sent him to a different place yeah that's a good like that's why he but he dies other ways and he doesn't that's true wake up in a cold sweat true that you get shot and other stuff. He does get shot in other ones. Yeah, I uh like you said kind of like he the science doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh especially it's kind of like moving on they're sending him to different missions. Suffice it to say, going in and out of the reality is painful to him. It's cold when he's in the capsule. He's getting killed. He's freaked out. I think Vera's whole character arc is realizing like this is a really messed up thing to do to a person. Mhm. That's brain dead. Are we the bad guys? <laughs> Seriously. Can I say something about the science, Stevie? Have at it, Pat. Because Josh keeps bringing up the Matrix. I would much rather have a film just not explain and that there's like these scientific anomalies than something stupid like we needed the humans for batteries, which just like breaks down the more and more you think about it. Like I like the ambiguity as opposed to like concrete, I don't, I don't know, hard science that's not going to hold up. Yeah, that's true. I, I see guess what if you're you, saying. the more you explain it, the more kind of a hole you dig. Because there could have been like a scene, Pappy, where like they they had they like went in the computer screen, and it's like this is your brain coded into the machine. Exactly, it's linked into, <laughs> and it, you know, it could have gone through like a little diagram. You must yeah. only like, die in the explosion. Exactly. Do not die any way else. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I thought the capsule was like, I mean, you can't see the capsule all that well for a while until it like kind of pans out later on in the movie. But I thought he was supposed to be in the helicopter in his mind, but that's what I thought, especially when he's leaking like hydraulic. But It doesn't look like a helicopter at all. 
when it's when they show the whole thing and it's and he's like in a giant metal right. can. It's like, oh, I don't but know. But it's what like this is. a close enough approximation of like some kind of military craft. Right? I mean he's in he's in something yeah. somewhat recognizable to him. And they did say this is something that he manifested anyway. And it even changes later. And it's pretty awesome set piece Source too. There's some behind the scenes footage on YouTube and it's really like a sphere cut in half and they built that little chamber for him to sit in. It's pretty sweet. Very cool. I was going to ask Corey, this movie delves into more rules. Uh, what's kind of Rutledge's big thing when um, the new Frentis thinks that he like saved people by getting people like off the train? For some reason, Jake Gyllenhaal, Captain Stevens, gets caught up with the notion of saving people when his mission is to find out who the bomber was but he he takes Vera Farmiga's uh, not her Michelle Monaghan's character off the train at one point and she doesn't die in the explosion in that iteration of the simulation or that multiverse whatever it may be I don't know he starts to cling to that for some reason and in my mind I was like dude you know it's not you can't save her so just like try to find the killer I mean at this point in the movie, he's still under the impression that it's just like a straight simulation. So, I don't know. Maybe he's just um, seeking some kind of reality to attach himself to, and that's why. I was going to say, yeah, for a guy with a lot of military experience, he really lacks focus. Like, it's not till really like Loop 5 that he's kind of like, okay, here's my mission. I have a question. Um, besides the time when he gets hit by the train and he gets shot, does he die any other way besides the fire i don't believe so not that we see okay so my my mind's working here it's, it's probably stupid but uh, um the only time that i can think of that a person didn't die that was supposed to die was a time when he got hit by the train and that's the only time that the capsule malfunctioned even on the one he got shot she still died so they both died like they were supposed to but the only time that somebody was left alive who shouldn't have been left alive was the time he got hit by the train. I, I don't know why. My, just forget. I was. No, I think you're. I think you're hitting on something there because there's also something later on. I think it's when he realizes that he's dead that she starts like glitching out or something too. And when he ultimately yeah. saves the train, mm-hmm. there's this ginormous pause, which I. I took to be like a literal pause, like time actually froze then restarted. So I think there's something to when the more you diverge from the original quote unquote original timeline, the more shit gets fucky. But I, I don't know that for sure. Right. It's just kind of a fun. Yeah. I think it, it, it actually could be like a wrinkle. I mean, it's like the wrinkle in time or whatever. So I don't know. I, might, I just was thinking about it and that's the only thing I could think of that was a common denominator for, or an uncommon denominator. So, all right, I just wanted to say that out loud. No, it's a good point. Happy you brought that up. Um, yeah, as we get to like deeper into Loop Five, this is when um, Coulter has Christina actually look up like who Coulter was, and in this reality too, he died two months ago in Afghanistan, or at least quote unquote died according to the media. Um, this is kind of a weird scene where. I don't know if it has a whole lot of payoff. Uh, Mikey, why is he kind of like antagonizing this old woman over like her bag and shit? Uh, 
I mean, is he still... He wants a phone for some reason because he's trying to... Well, he keeps asking everybody if their phone has internet, right? Yeah. And because uh, he's trying to send an he's email or He's trying to or find out what the drawing to... means, right? I don't know where he gets the drawing, but he's trying to ask her what it stands for. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't know what the drawing means. Yeah, it's the he company, draws... right? He saw it on the lab coat. Yeah. I don't know how she would know, though. Yeah, how, how would the old lady know right. he doesn't? He's in the military. <laughs> she works at Walter Reed, which is like a military can't, like complex place in Maryland. I've actually been there. Oh, that's cool. How do you, how does he know that? I, I don't remember. It was on her bag. Oh, okay. See, there you go, Mikey. But sorry, yeah, I, cut, I just like, yeah. I, Stevie, you're asking the wrong person about the plot of this movie. <laughs> I solely like this movie for Jake Gyllenhaal and Michelle Monaghan. I do not know anything going on plot-wise. It's pronounced Jylan Hale, so. Gyllenhaal. Jylan Hale. Get it right. Jack Gyllenhaal. By the way, I believe her name is uh, pronounced Vera. I looked it up. Vera Farmiga? Oh, man. Let me look again. You keep talking. (laughs) Farmiga sounds Vera Farmiga. Yep. But... Hey, got it right. Look at me. But, um... Yeah, so... As he's kind of coming to grips of, like... You know... Michelle Monaghan telling him Captain Coulter Stevens died... And he's glitching, and she's glitching, and the bomb goes off. And he also starts having, like, these crazy memories of going down. Uh, He was flying a helicopter, right? Yeah, this is when he's asking Colleen, you know, am I dead? Am I dead? She's just like, you know, your brain is still alive if that means anything to you. Um, It does not. She's stuck with the same thing she'd been saying the whole time. Like, she's trying to keep saying, that's irrelevant. Everything else is irrelevant. And he's like... Me being dead is a rel- is re- yeah. So this is kind of where sh- her armor cracks a little bit. She starts to like yeah. feel for him a little bit. Yeah, and she's just kind of telling him like the capsule is the closest thing to reality like your brain can like capture right now because you're hooked up to machines and that's about it. Um, but yeah, this is where uh, the same loop is kind of the same timeline. We'll kind of get to it in the end. This is where he calls Doctor Rutledge. And he's just like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? Because <laughs> um, when he goes back to the other reality, there is no Dr. Rutledge. Different timelines. Whole lot of stuff that really is just out there. Order you a um, pizza next time. See if that gets the message. Is <laughs> <laughs> it Al Pacino? Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Pap, kind of getting down to like the last loops and whatnot. You said this hit you kind of hard, kind of hard when you talked to his dad. You know, and I thought the whole time this movie was going on, there was kind of this dad thing in the background, and and, it, and I was inclined to think that it was just going to be too much, uh, an extra layer of emotion to the story that we didn't need. But for some goddamn reason, like when he is, uh, well, well, first of all, they play the the track that's like the interview with his dad was that an actual track was that created by jeffrey wright to manipulate him that was a question that i had you know seemed real too much personal info mm-hmm. it seemed real but yeah i mean that's like at the very i think this is after i forget which loop this is but yeah like the stuff with his dad it actually really did 
land emotionally for me. Like when he's talking to his dad and who plays his dad again? It's a uh, Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. Yeah. I, oh, really? Captain the guy Archer? from Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's just me personally, but, but for some reason, like the stuff like with his dad, like the broken relationship at the time, like the, in the last loop or whatever, when he's able to finally talk to him, it, it really did hit me. And he's pretending to be this other person. And he's saying like, you know, I, I heard things weren't well, like when you left it and, and all, and all this other stuff that was there when he died for some reason, I don't know, like the way that the, the dad handles it with such class too. I was surprised by how yeah, emotional yeah. I was. I think it was perfect because it, uh, it made each person feel better. Like yeah. it's, left them both feeling like he felt great because his dad, he got some closure talking to his dad and his dad seemed proud of him. Uh, and then the dad, you know, this mystery guy says, I was with him. He loved you. He knows you love him. I just think it was perfect. I'm a sucker for those kind of scenes. Corey, so. I think you said a few episodes ago that sometimes you get lured in by cheese. I would say that the end of source code is very <laughs> cheesy. What did you feel anything? <laughs> With the dad stuff, it was yeah. it was mediocre for me. I'll punch your face. <laughs> <laughs> but did only one dad get closure? I think only one dad. Yeah, yeah. his real dad didn't get closure. <sighs> the dad in this u- u- parallel universe got closure, not his dad. Dad. So that's that, shame. I mean, right? Sh- should we bring this up now? I mean, each one of these loops, as you call them, Stevie, is a parallel universe, is it not? Yes. That's well, what you kind there, of find out at the end. There are two parallel universes, correct? Is any- multiple. I would say They multiple. can create as many as they want, as long as he keeps dying. Mm-hmm. I feel like Does each he- one that happens is its own parallel universe. Okay, I think so too. Which is just to uh, they kind of prove that at the end. Which is just hilarious and terrifying that the U.S. military is wreaking havoc on these parallel universes. The people are getting punched <laughs> in the face and people are getting harassed. Oh, but still, I mean, at least half of his dads now have closure. It's better than zero percent. Well, and there's a big theme of the movie too about if you could have a chance to do things over, like I think at one point Jake is talking to Vera and it, and it comes up that she's been divorced and he says something to the effect of, you know, would you do things the same way? I, I think, you know, deep down at the heart of this movie, there is kind of a, how great it would be if you could redo all of the mistakes, right? That, that's kind of the, the fantasy. If you could that, change your face. Exactly. <laughs> You know what? If we're going to be honest here, if these are parallel universes, his dad doesn't have the same phone number. He's not talking to the same guy. <laughs> it's not. This is a conversation that's not happening. Do you guys see the connection here between this movie and like Poltergeist and The Exorcist? Like, really? The U.S. Army is making Jake Gyllenhaal possess a dude in eight other realities. Like he possesses his body and lives in it in one of uh, forever. It's time to bring that little short woman in. Yeah, <laughs> that what if has a, a girlfriend? That's awesome, Brett. <laughs> it's not right. But as we get deeper into the movie, uh, this is the second to last loop. Kylo, this is where we go full thriller mode with kind of the Derek Frost character. What goes down here? So is this the first? Derek Frost encounter or the second one? 
It's the, the one, one the where people die. <laughs> okay. So he does eventually find the person that planted the bomb, and he finds that by detaching a phone from the bomb, and I think he hits redial until he discovers the correct person that answers the phone. First he has it wrong, but then he finds him. He does leave the train, and he kind of follows this guy to a shady, windowless white van, and he pulls a gun on him, which he did get from a lockbox inside the train, and he basically says, like, he does this like short interrogation like he's like I know it's you this stops here but Derek Frost says let me show you something in the van and for some reason that I don't understand Jake Gyllenhaal he just has to see it like he has to let him go inside and open the box make sure it's not a bunch of kids it's a little box critters <laughs> make sure it's not a bunch of I mean kids. there's bombs all over the walls of the van isn't there there's like wires hanging and it seems like ve- it seems very dangerous to be driving. No, I yeah. agree. But he, he does show him. He shows him the big bomb that he's gonna deploy, the dirty bomb. He's gonna deploy it later on in Chicago. Uh, he he messes up though. He gets like distracted, and Derek Frost shoots him. Very proud of himself too. Well, he gets distracted by uh, Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, he gets distracted by gets her. Shot. Derek Frost pulls a sneaky move and kills him. Then he kills Christina and drives away in the van. I don't know you. I think I killed your girlfriend. <laughs> Why? Did anyone else think it was kind of funny? He's like, I think I killed your girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, it's funny to hear you say that was a little dark that it's funny. But... <laughs> yeah, Brett, I couldn't stop laughing when he said that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might have been how you reacted, because that's how I was. So. His whole reasoning for being a, ter- a domestic terrorist is a little corny. It's like the typical... <laughs> I agree. The world is hell. We have to start the world over. Is hell. We have to destroy it before we can build it. The world is hell. But we have a chance to start over in the rubble. But first, there has to be rubble. Me, as a white man in this oppressed world... <laughs> in this alternate universe where all white men are oppressed. <laughs> I mean, hasn't that been every terrorist like in a movie since like Batman Begins? What since you, 12 like, Monkeys. To, what do you want him to have, Stevie? Do you want him to have this complicated backstory where he's... What What do you want his motivation I don't know. I, I feel like the destroy the world to rebuild it again is getting really annoying. Like, also, it never find works. a new show. Find a new show. That tiny explosion is not going to reset the world, too. He blew up one train. <laughs> it's not going to reset the world into a good world. Yeah, but didn't you hear the guy at the end? He's like, we saved millions of lives. I'm like, mm, I guess. How many dirty <laughs> bombs were there? Jared lives in Chicago, Mikey. Huh? My brother Jared lives in Chicago, man. Does he really? I'm talking about just the train bomb. I, I, I mean, he hasn't even gotten to the dirty bomb yet or whatever but he's like oh this terrorist attack this'll this'll be the beginning of uh the rebirth of the world or whatever the fuck he thinks he's doing but <laughs> you blow up one city it's i mean people Shoot. are gonna move on to, away from chicago they'll blow themselves up spoiler cinemasins over here sorry the the side bet character didn't have a great backstory for you all it could have been a two and a half hour movie then <laughs> Hey, Pappy, his name's Derek Frost because he's cold-hearted. I like that. Oh, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> I just think he should have had, like, a dumbed-down, even more backstory. 
he we didn't really need to get into his van at all for this movie to be good. Josh, kind of take us home. I mean, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal knows who the guy's name is. He knows like the plate number and everything to really stop the second bomb. But he convinces um, Vera Farmiga to send him back in one last time. Kind of take us home what happens here. One last Very ride. rookie of the year. Yeah. One. one give me one more, more chance. <laughs> Stick a fork in me. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal begs Vera for a second chance. Or not a second chance. I guess probably like a 12th chance. But one last <laughs> chance. Now that he knows who the bomber is. He in his Come mind. On, just give me two more quarters. I can do it. <laughs> just give me two more quarters to play this game again. I guess in his mind, he wants to create a reality where all the characters that he's now met and is now ingratiated to survive. It's pretty understandable. It's also understandable that he might just want to live for eight more minutes and have one last hurrah. So he goes in, and this is where I think Pappy's theory really comes into play. Right, Pappy, because this last loop, he is killing it. Just smoking it. Oh, yeah. Just, he's so charming with uh, Michelle Moynihan, too. Just plays it perfectly. Uh, I, I do think that, like, when we get into the end a little bit, the whole, like, because in this timeline, he just handcuffs the guy in the train, right? Like, he just kind of kicks his ass and handcuffs him there in the train. Then later on, we're in the military center, like, oh, yeah, by the way, a domestic uh, nuclear device explosion was thwarted. They're like, oh, that's cool. So anyway, <laughs> there's no, like, follow-up. But but no, I, I love seeing, you know, fully formed Jake in this last loop. I thought it was awesome. So here's what happens, Stevie. He stops the bomb, and then he, out of the eight minutes, he has, like, six and a half minutes to just, like, enjoy himself with yeah. Michelle. And... They start talking. He's charming, like Pappy said. And then he comes up with this idea to get uh, Russell Peters to do stand-up for like 120 bucks for a little bit. Because that's like how he wants to go out. And then the camera... Doing the thing he loves. Like, Jeffrey Wright screaming. Russell Peters is br- bombing. <laughs> he calls he's his- not making anybody laugh at all on the train. <laughs> he calls his dad during this one, right? Did he call his dad during this I one? I think he calls his was dad during, during this one? one. I thought it was this one. I, I think it was so. Either way, there's a ticking clock because he either has eight minutes left or until Jeffrey Wright busts the door down on Vera because he is not happy that she gave him a second chance. And he's like flipping out. So she turns off his life support after the eight minutes is up and he has like the perfect kiss ending. But then time freezes and unfreezes and he gets to live his life, I guess, possessing the body of this dude. Of Mr. Frentis. Of a much lesser man. I can't defend it. I, I, I can see how it's totally <laughs> cheesy. But I, I fucking love the everyone smiling and laughing and them kissing in the back of the train and like things are finally right in this timeline. Yep. Like I know like I said, I know it's cheesy. I and I and I really can't defend Why it. Why do you say it's cheesy? I don't know. It just feels it's just it's just kind of silly, right? He's just like he, he possessed another man's life, Josh. Look at there, Kyle Loren just sent a, a picture to the the thread. We can maybe post this on Instagram, but everyone's like face who's laughing. Like we've seen that guy like be a total douchebag twenty times. Like there's no way he's now into the stand up comedy on a train. Have you ever been on a on a public transportation where someone tries to start performing? It's the god worst no. thing in the world. No one is getting pumped <laughs> for that. But I love it. I love it. 
in the morning when everybody's trying to get to work it's like buddy just sit the fuck down (laughs) trying to read my newspaper here okay so yeah the way i interpreted it was she killed jake gyllenhaal in one parallel dimension but jake got to possess the body of another man for the rest of his life yeah congratulations here's your new dick <laughs> what happens to the real sean well. fentress he's he's dead, <laughs> he's dead bro. his he, life is can you imagine like if his parents like were waiting to meet him or like he yeah. runs into an old college buddy and jake gyllenhaal is just like yeah i guess or like, like how does horrible. he get home just blows i mean off. how does he get home that yeah, really is like lives. a biblical possession is it not it's the same thing mm-hmm. i think jake's in the wrong here it's not very cool to just take over another guy's body. <laughs> that's not very cash money of you. Dead. Yeah, but the other thing that's <laughs> the other thing that's terrifying. He's not dead if he, he's living in this alternate universe now. Yeah, there, he obviously lived. Yeah, the other thing that's terrifying is Jake Gyllenhaal is gonna be taking over bodies for the rest of his life. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. Like, there's source codes within the source codes, as we found out at the end. When Jake Gyllenhaal shot that text over to Vera Farmiga and he's like, hey, listen, this shit is real. And everyone gets super excited. And he's going to be going on different adventures now and just taking over different bodies for the rest of his life. (laughs) Over a long enough timeline, everyone will be Jake Gyllenhaal. Everyone will be Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal's all the way down. Also, this also doesn't make sense. This also doesn't make sense because he's he would be texting the Vera Farmiga in this universe, not the one in the other universe. Right, right, but he How could he get the email from that Vera Farmiga? No, he emails the Vera Farmiga in the universe that he saves everybody. That's the one that he emails. Yeah, he lets her know that the stuff's real and he gives her the code. Yeah, so that one knows that one knows that this but, is yeah. more than just a simulation. But, Mikey, but the one about, the original one the original has no idea. Universe, Mikey. Nobody cares about the original. When you, I, I did like a I rewatched this part really closely right before the podcast. When he is like asking to die, there's a conversation between him and who's this sorry, who's the scientist guy's name? What the this character's name? The main guy? Rutledge. Dr. Rutledge. Yeah, Jeffrey Dr. Rutledge. Rutledge. It's a conversation between them. The whole time, the camera doesn't focus on Jake Gyllenhaal. It doesn't focus on Dr. Rutledge. It focuses on Vera Farmiga, and she looks disturbed. And, and maybe, you know, on the first brush, it's like, oh, she's, she's questioning the morality of this thing. But I think this might not be the first loop of the source code, that, that he may have thwarted a potentially earlier threat. She had the text, and that kind of explains her actions at the end of the movie, disobeying orders. Now, that's out there. I don't know if there's anything in the text to support that, but that's my interpretation, and I and I liked it a lot. I want to know how bad of a teacher he's gonna be. <laughs> so history. <laughs> <laughs> it means nothing. He's quitting his job and moving to India. He's gonna become a Chicago cop. That's the only job he's qualified oh for. But are you with me, Stevie? That maybe this isn't the first loop of the source code. It would it would make the movie a lot less meaningful if it wasn't the first loop. It's like Josh said in the simulation theory, if there's infinite simulations, then it's unlikely that this would be the first loop if there's going to be infinite loops. Indeed. See, it's a good movie. Yeah. Why do you like movies like this, Stevie? Like this and Predestination. You're drawn to them. I am drawn to them. Same with Donnie Darko. Probably wasn't the first attempt. You know? So, yeah. Jake. I'll say Uh, this. Jake Gyllenhaal in that... uh, you know his actual body the one that's like barely functioning kind of borderline brain dead 
Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, he's in there like Anakin Skywalker. He's missing some Mustafar. limbs, but the back of his head is gone, but he's still got that perfect face, don't he? <laughs> Unscathed. Thank God the helicopter blades never touched his beautiful face. <laughs> Thank goodness. And... <laughs> Alrighty, are y'all ready for some yes or no's? Yep. Let's go from Weesus to Isis. Corey, let's start with you. Okay. Yes, this is Corey. I'm going to give it a yes. I had not seen this movie until we did it for spoilers. Thank you for picking it, Stevie. I'm glad I watched it. I wouldn't have even known about it if it had not been for this. So, um, Good deal. I liked it a lot. You never heard of this? I didn't know about it, man. Good sci-fi movie. Cool concept. It, you know, it just moves right along. It has that really interesting, I don't know, I hesitate to say gimmick, but it is kind of a little gimmicky, and I guess in the way that we've been doing a lot of gimmicky movies lately, but <laughs> but that doesn't take away from it. I don't mean that as a pejorative. It, it's really cool. It's an interesting premise, like I said. It's just, I like Jay Gyllenhaal. It's a good sci-fi movie. In and out, a lot of fun. Good deal. Pappy. Yeah, I, I have a hard time like actually assessing the quality of this movie because I'm so biased by all of the elements that I absolutely love. <laughs> like every single piece of this movie is like made for Pappy in a lab for like what would be his favorite movie. Like the original <laughs> sci-fi concept, the even like kind of the the cheesy emotional story, the 90-minute runtime, the the limited locations, which I don't think we talked about. There's really only two and a half locations. That this movie takes place in, which I absolutely love, and and yeah, I, I, I the ninety minute runtime. I don't know if I said that already, but yeah, I, I just really, really, really like this movie. I had really low expectations too, so I think that might be part of it. A lot of the ratings that I saw from people who I really trust were in the six out of ten, three out of five, three and a half out of five range, and I, I was totally blown away. I gave it a four and a half out of five. Maybe that's too high. Maybe it's just like the the benefit of having low expectations. But great pick, Stevie. Really glad I watched it. The hardest of yeses for me. Good deal. Uh, Josh. Hello, Josh from Goshen here. Uh, I judge a lot of these movies by... We talked about it in the thread. Like When you watch movies at home, and we're all kind of locked out of the theaters right now, it's really hard to stay attentive. And so I tend to break movies up into like two or three parts when I watch them. And that like in-between time watching... When you're thinking about starting it up again, like that feeling deep in your gut, I was just so pumped to turn back source code back on. And in a really rare way, this rates really, really high for me. I love the dark angle that Jark Gyllenhaal is a ghost <laughs> possessing a body at the end, too. <laughs> I felt really smart when I thought of that because they don't like really explicitly lay that out as like something evil he's doing, but... Um, man, I love Jake. Thanks for picking this. I hope he continue to do simulation type movies like Serenity, Predestination, this, The Matrix. I love it. Mikey. Uh, it's a yes. Uh, it's uh, I like the runtime. Like Pap said, it's only ninety three minutes. And uh, Pap also cleared up another thing that I had been struggling with since like the last time I saw this, where. Why would they go through all of this trouble just to prevent, a, I mean, not even prevent a terrorist attack that already happened, but to prevent the next terrorist attack from the from the same guy? Um, 
because I was really struggling with what the point of this whole simulation business was if this thing had already happened and everybody was dead anyways. Um, but yeah, that part is cleared up for me, but everything else surrounding the science doesn't really make much sense to me, and I still don't think it makes much sense to me after this podcast, but that's fine. It's it's a, I think it's still a fun sci-fi movie, and I obviously love Jake Gyllenhaal, and I think Michelle Moynihan is great in this movie too. Uh, but really, it's just justice for Sean Fentress, because that guy is now no longer existing in this universe or any other universe Jake Gyllenhaal uh, possesses his body in. So, uh, just sorry, sorry, Sean. I mean, you don't get to go back home again because <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> took your body over. But I like this movie. Uh, yeah, like I said, I just don't think the science is... I don't want to say accurate enough. I just don't think it makes enough logical sense uh, to really make it like a absolute must watch. Like I can't put my whole full yes behind it, but I'll give it a soft yes. Give it a Vigo yes. yes. I'll give it a a, a semi chub yes. <laughs> Getting there. Brett. Oh, this is definitely a hard yes. I love Jack Jalen Isle like so much. Um, he, this is, I think this is a great movie. Um, the Heil master just kills it like he does in every every movie. Um, I Michelle Monet, I think is super charming. Um, I mean, you can't feel too bad for Sean because he was never going to ask this girl out, and at least Jake had the balls to do it. So. Um, you know, that's what I think. Uh, I think it's just really, like Pappy says, really unique. I mean, it's like it takes little pieces from other movies and kind of puts them together. I don't find it that confusing personally, um, but I'm I'm super smart, so it doesn't really, you know. I I didn't <laughs> think. I mean, obviously, it's not like true or real, but I just didn't have that hard of a time following it. Um, I, it's the second time I watched it. I think I might even have liked it more this time. Uh, it's definitely a movie I think I'll probably watch again. I, it's, I think it's a must-see personally, and it's a, a really hard yes for me. Cool, yeah. Um, I'll give this movie a uh, hard yes. Uh, I just love Jake Gyllenhaal movies. I love that dude as an actor. Uh, typically, most of his movies are really good. Uh, even the bad ones like Prince of Persia. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this movie to me was, it had its flaws for sure, but it was just fun to watch. And it's short too, it's only like 93 minutes, so definite hard yes for me. Is that yeses oh, yeah. all around? Preserved. Preserved. All righty. This is Imagine Fast Five. <laughs> what if someone possessed your body and stole your woman? What can you do? What can you do well, about she it? She was divorced, so yeah. Is it like um, being John Malkovich? Like you're still buried deep down, and you can witness the whole thing? Oh God! <laughs> He's in the sunken place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Does everybody think that at least in one of Jake's future endeavors, he's going to get with Vera Farmiga's character? Because there was some chemistry going on there. With what? His dead body. Well, no, he's going to keep possessing other people. We talked about that. 
uh, Pappy and uh, Stephen oh, brought he's... it up. He's going to keep source coding into other people, and he's going to definitely, maybe he'll be with her uh, ex-husband and get back together with her. I don't know. <laughs> he's going to possess his way up to her. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> All righty. Who's ready for some trivia? Yeah. Let's go. Yes. Today we're playing Name That Swede. I am gonna give you a description that mentions an actor pretty much in their most famous roles, and you're gonna have to decode who this actor or actress is. Got it? Decode? Yeah. Yep. Decode. All right. Is it like an anagram? Uh, you'll see. Um, who is Wait, first? how is this working? We each get one for passes or the steals? If you miss, you're out. Oh, shit. Yep. It's cutthroat time, boys. All right, <laughs> let me see here. I think first Mikey. and last name? Well, Mikey, Mikey yeah. should okay, get to go so last. Corey? Yeah, and then I'm, I'm right before him. Right. Okay, so it's my, it's, I think it's Corey. Corey on its I Pat. I have the least advantage. Corey on its Pat. Josh on the animated Lord of the Rings. Myself, Pappy okay, yeah, on so Serenity. Brett Corey, on District Josh, B13. Pappy, Brett, Mikey. Then Mikey. Okay, Corey. Name this actor or actress. I may be in the minority, but the seal I carry is rather flashy. That's your only clue. And if you miss it, you're out. Is that what we're... Yep. Yep. I don't quite understand. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say... Uh, Tom Cruise? He is not from Sweden. Uh, that oh. was Max von Sydow. Who was in the Minority Port, the Seventh Seal, and Flash Gordon? Oh, I must have missed that. So, they're all from Sweden. Well, I said name that Swede. Okay, fair enough. Cool. <laughs> okay, Josh, you're up. Okay. I love math. I love sex, and I love to sing covers of ABBA. Alexander Skarsgård. It was his father, Stellan. Josh, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the only Swedish actor I can think of. Uh, that was from... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, said it with such confidence. I love math from Good uh, Goodwill Hunting. I love Kinsey. sex from... Um, oh, uh... No, um, Nymphomaniac. And I love to sing covers of ABBA from Mamma Mia. <clears throat> trying to think here. Pappy, I think you're next. What a leg up in trivia, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell you yeah, what. Yeah, right. It's a lot easier than Max Van Sydow or whatever. Okay. Bringing him back from last trivia. Okay, Pat. Yo. I'll give you leeway with pronunciation. I sent a Hawaiian back from hell after he told me I looked funny and I would never be a Russian astronaut. He told me I looked funny. I feel like that should be the correct part. I sent a Hawaiian... Back to hell. Back from Back hell. From hell. Bill Skarsgård. I, I don't know. Is it the I guy from uh, Fargo? Armageddon. That was Peter Stormare from Constantine, Fargo, and Armageddon. Yeah, I knew. I, I fucking have known knew. His name. I didn't know his name. Was... Yeah. Yeah, that's Peter Storm or Stormari, however you want to say it. Brett, I think you're up. Yeah. I've worked for the law a lot in my career. Once with a crazy redhead, once with a crazy blonde, 
and once wearing nothing but armor. Wait, before Brett answers, does Mikey have to prove it? Or would he just win if Brett gets it wrong? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to get this right. He just wins. I don't mind that. Can you repeat that clue, please? <laughs> I have worked for the law a lot in my career. Once with a crazy redhead, once with a crazy blonde, and once wearing nothing but armor. <clears throat> oh, okay. Hey, remember like before we started the podcast and someone was saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We got stuff to do. Well, uh, Welker, Peter Weller, Welker, the guy from Robocop. I have no idea. I think that's close. Is it uh, the other Joel Ro- Kinnaman? The other Robocop, right? The other Robocop. <laughs> I knew it. Oh. Mikey, I just want to see if you'll get this or not. That's just fun to play, but you win. So congrats to Mikey. Cannot Welcome wait. Time. Good job, but Mikey. But if you get Mikey, it wrong, one of those trivia's that makes everyone feel so good about themselves. Thank you, Mikey. Call your shot here. Name this actor or actress. I love my husband even when he is a woman. I love my boss even when he has a knife in him. I love my job even when it's Superman and a Harvard bro getting in fistfights. I only know the Skarsgård family. Uh, so, <laughs> Bill Skarsgård. I don't. That was the actress right. Alicia Vikander. You're out. From the Danish, uh, the Danish girl. Um, Ex Machina and uh, Man from Uncle. Oh, she's the robot. She's the robot. Yeah. Ex Machina, and she's also the girl in uh, Man from Uncle. It's, so yeah. Uh, old boy's wife uh, from uh, X Men. The uh, crap dude, Michael Fassbender. Oh, this nice. is the perfect trivia for Mikey. He gets to win, and he doesn't get any questions right, just like usual. So pretty perfect. <laughs> well, Mikey. It, well, yep. he hasn't hosted in like. Ages, so. But Brett is still going to be salty, salty about actually. it. Okay. He sounds salty. Mikey, do you know what you want to do, or you want us to cut the break? Let's cut. Let's cut. The we can break. cut the break. Let's cut the break. When we come back, Mikey will be telling us what movie we'll be spoiling next. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. <clears throat> Profit. And we are back, Mikey, winner of this week's trivia. What are we spoiling next? Uh, this is, uh, I, we haven't done a Bruce Willis yes. movie in a while since Let's I think like Die Hard. And this is a weird one. This is called Fifth Element. I haven't yes. seen it in a long time. I bought that for Brittany, so I have the, I have the Blu-ray. Yeah. Mikey, thank so you. Freaking that weird. Thank you, Mikey. For Mikey, right you are there. the people's champ. <laughs> My what, what's weird about it, Josh? My brother-in-law's girlfriend just yelled at me through the window tonight, like an hour ago. Hey, what's that movie with Bruce Willis and the girl who's a redhead with the bikini? And she did this like motion where she did like stripe up and down and the cross. And I was like, Fifth Element. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Elements. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Spoilers of us breaking down source code, as I've come to realize. There's no the. There's no the source code. But, um, Pappy, what do we have coming down the line? I, I don't know why you do this to me. I have no idea. This is... 
<laughs> just to fuck with you, man. You are the master file of spoilers. I don't want to hear I don't know. Yeah, what's the trivia order? What's coming down the line? I'll say this. We, we probably have, at this point, released Jaws 3D 100 or 300th episode. So for those of you who haven't uh, been listening for long, it's a lot of work. We've been doing this for a lot of years. And yeah, 300 episodes. Congrats to us. So go check out Let's go. that 300. movie commentary episode of spoilers. That's where the big bucks start rolling in after yep, 300 right episodes. After 300. You made it, boys. I just want to know if you're serious or We're not. We're getting syndicated. <laughs> 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 oh, well, as always, thank you for listening. And that was spoilers. Whoever gives me the best one gets a leg up in trivia. Uh, I don't know. I I think I have something like he's all chopped up. Mm-hmm. Mine's way too. <laughs> That's it. Even though Jake has that an Elvis reference, Josh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's something about the science is probably not accurate at all in this movie. Jeffrey Wright plays the same character he does in Westworld. Ooh, I like that. Nice. All right, Josh, you get a leg up. Go. He talks real slowly. This Brett, is how many weeks in a row are you going to rush the start of the pod? I think you're up to we're like not six. rushing. We're supposed to start at 9.52. <laughs> I'm excited. This is going to be a fun episode, I think. Cat's like, what's a pod? Dr. Wong is like, I'm going to you. Count us down, but brother. <clears throat> brother Mikey. All right. Three, two, one, go. That was spoilers.